Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach, and we are here to talk about a comic coming out on February. Uh, February, February Jesus, March fourteenth. Uh, is it? I don't even know what day we're recording anymore. Um, <laughs> I believe March fourteenth. Uh, Superman Lost Number One, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Carlo Pagulion. Uh, Zach, you are the Superman boys. So I want to start with you by just asking sort of general question about this. I feel like lately, all the Superman stories we've been getting have had writers put a very like distinct spin on the Superman-Lois relationship. And I felt that this issue did that as well. So I, I'm going to start with you asking, did you like the way that Priest set up Superman and Lois here? Because that, that's kind of the most important piece of this issue, at least for me. Um. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think I don't think it's like that unlike the way they have been written in like since the Bendis run. Mm-hmm. And by that feel- you mean very horny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um So, yeah, I mean they're it, it's fun. They're fun. Vince, what about you? What did you think of the characterization here? Because I, I have a specific comment on it, but I, I want to get your takes first. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I, I thought there were some really great lines in it. I think overall, um, uh, the relationship, like, um, this is a. Let's see if I can express this the way that I mean. Um, I don't really mean this as a criticism. I think. I think these are definitely versions of Clark and Lois. They are just a little more downbeat than I expect their, their banter to usually be. You know what I mean? Um, Now that being said, it's definitely banter. There's like a back and forth that they feel like a couple. All that rings very true. And these are true versions of, of Clark and Lois. It's just that, contrasting with with like what's going on in the regular superman book right now and the way that that that's a little more jaunty a little bouncier this is a little more like yeah there's a banter but it but it's it's a little downbeat it's a little cynical and lois make you know uh part of lois's dialogue is about how reporters are supposed to be cynical or they're supposed to be skeptical and that definitely comes through in the characters and it's a little bit different from what we're getting in the other Superman books, but I don't think I don't think it necessarily rings false. Does that make sense? Yes, that does. Um, so my specific comment here is that I think that this is essentially. It, I mean, look, the broad strokes are all correct here, but I found that even their playfulness had sort of a dour overtone to it. Yeah, that's. That's a word I was searching for, sure. Um, and, and I was wondering if that was just if we think that that's just how priest tends to write. That if, if priest's writing can be cynical at times and can be, um, you know, a, a little bit less starry eyed in terms of just the inherent good in comic characters, right? Like he he tends to just take a more um. I don't want to say realistic because that's the wrong word, but he does not put the heroes on as much of a pedestal as other writers do. And I think that that may extend to also 
the relationships the heroes find themselves in. Like this does not seem like an unhappy Clark and Lois interaction, but it also doesn't seem like the sort of unflappable love story that we get from other Lois and Clark stories. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's right. Um, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe this or not, but it, it feels very much more like a, a Lois and Clark you would see in a modern modern DC movie versus like what we've been getting in the comics lately where they feel the need to make it a little more edgy. You know what I mean? Just, just yes, a hair. Yes. Just that's a hair. A, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's and- a, that, that said, I, there's a couple lines that I really, really liked that I wanted to point out that the stuff about that I kind of mentioned already that Lois says about how we're, re- we're reporters, Clark, we're paid for our cynicism. And he says, I was raised by a farm armor paid for his optimism that right there is like that's like uh uh priest hitting nothing but net on a three you know that's <laughs> right yeah yeah um the reason that i that i bring this up as sort of where i wanted to start this conversation today about this book is because i think that that sort of extends out to the entire book which is that and i don't see this necessarily as a negative i just when I was reading this, I couldn't help but feel that like one of the one of the nice things about rebirth till now is that the Superman books have not needed to go dark at all. Like heavy stuff has happened, but there hasn't been there's this sort of general just lightness and optimism to the Superman books. And this is sort of not that. Um, this is a little bit free of that. It is not as optimistic. It is more cynical. It is more hardened. And I don't know. I mean, I I, I love reading Christopher Priest comics, as everyone who listens to the show knows. I think Carla Pagulion does a really nice job with this book. But I couldn't help feel that this was a little bit maybe too burdened or too heavy for the story that it's going to tell, even though we really don't know what that story is yet. Because this 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 issue is truly a prologue to the story that is going to unfold over the rest of the of the series, um, but it just felt a little bit darker. Like it almost this almost felt tonally more like a New Fifty Two book than it did a book of this era. I don't really think I I I don't really think I thought that this was that dark per se. Like it it I don't think I I. I guess I can see where you're coming from, but I, I, I just think that's all like a little strong from, from my reading. I, I didn't really get very much of that at all. I was thinking with that stuff specifically about the justice league's interaction where I, I felt, I, I guess I, I just thought this all, I guess I'm, I'll tip my hand a little bit. I didn't, I didn't not like this, but I thought it was just like, I thought this was pretty by the numbers. I thought, I thought the most interesting part was the, conversation between Clark, Lois and Bruce and and that that interaction and and kind of the 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 
I don't even, I'm not even sure exactly how I would describe it. It's not, it, the, it's tense. The, the, the tenseness of that situation was, was kind of notable, but as far as like the justice league and like, so I, I do think like, I do agree with your point about the, the Clark and Lois interaction feeling a bit more like, <laughs> almost like Snyder-esque you know like Zack Snyder-esque yeah. um, in, in some ways but overall I was just kind of like taken by how not generic but just unremarkable this kind of felt I that's interesting that you say that Zach because I, I wouldn't go as strongly as you, but something that I have in my notes is that the Justice League portion of this feels like a modern version of the very first JLA stories. Like even, mm-hmm. yep. even just the action, like them all circling around the ocean, around this uh, mysterious alien spaceship that landed in the ocean. Some of the imagery is straight out of like the very first issue with the Starro stuff. Mm, yeah. You know, like, and, and it's most of the same characters too, right? Like this is a very classic team. It's a very classic iteration. The imagery is very classic in that way. And Except for the new 52, uh, John Jones. Right. Right. I said most. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, like like it's 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 the Justice League solving a problem in a very kind of silver agey way. Um and it is a it is a little bland in that case, you know. It it's it's very much doing that everybody has their own role and they all say their thing. And uh I think there's I think there's room to tell those like more kind of generic team justice league throwback kind of stories. But I think that stuff was all a little more dry and a little bit more kind of overbearing on the parts of the book that were really interesting, which is the relational aspects between like you already mentioned, Bruce and, and Lois and Clark kind of hashing out what, what actually happened. Um, which was by far the more interesting part that, yeah, that and, justice league action scene took a little bit too much time for my uh, taste. Well, so that's exactly kind of why I said that I got new 52 vibes from that scene for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think that Pagulion's art, while you know, technically good. I think it does kind of evoke that new 52 in, in those sequences, there's a lot of very stiff, sort of glaring, cowering, not at all smiling or emoting Justice League characters. And like to me, that is what I associate with the Justice League books of you know 10 years ago. Um, that is the part that to me felt sort of New 52-ish. Uh, in addition, Vince, like you said, this does have a very Silver Age-y feel in terms of every hero having their very specific task that is that could only be done by that particular superpowered individual like that is a very very silver age thing but i thought that the way it was presented on the page did not feel 
I know you said there were certain things like you know with, with the, the the making the um you know sort of the the, the, the like using the you know, circling around the ship or like everybody holding on to the lasso of truth like those are very classic mm-hmm. Justice League maneuvers but I don't think they were presented necessarily very classically no um, no not at all yeah and so that that is sort of where I was coming from with that with that read that just this this feels both a little bit more buttoned up and that is a new 52 thing. It felt a little bit purposely joyless. And like, even, you know, the Deathstroke rebirth series by priest is not exactly a laugh a minute thing, but there is a lot of humor in that. And there's some sort of, there's a little bit of surprising heart to that. And I didn't get really any of that from this. Um, it just this just felt very cold. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for here. That I I would definitely agree. That is yes. I, I think it is cold. Yeah, and and then yeah, a little joyless actually. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it dark, but I do think it is cold and joyless. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe that's a better. Yeah. Better you words that I was searching for. So okay. Which is the interesting thing about that is, and I'm. <laughs> I, I, you know, Christopher Priest has more talent in his pinky finger than I do. But but the thing that occurred to me while reading this was when Clark comes back, he's very cold and detached and, and all, like almost completely detached from reality, like not speaking on the same wavelength or at the same speed as everybody else, because they're clearly rattled by what they just experienced. Right. Right. The problem is there's not enough of a contrast from that yes, tone to yes. the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, well said. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 he's almost like like except that he can speak more eloquently. He but the tone is almost the same. You know. Yes. yes. Um, and I'm sure that will shake out in future issues. I'm sure. I'm sure that that will improve, or that won't be that won't be as big of a problem because now we're dealing with the thing. Right. But, but as far as this goes, that made the whole issue feel colder than I think it was maybe meant to or 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 what would have been more impactful. And this is all making it sound like I didn't like this. I liked it. I'm interested in, in where it's going um, and not just based on priest pedigree. It's just that that so much of the middle of this felt. I, I agree with you, Brian. It felt like a, like a new fit. The only the only way it didn't feel like a new 52 uh issue of justice league is that that whole conflict would have taken like three or four issues that is <laughs> true that, yes and that's all wrapped up in one issue thankfully but uh, it, it, it's funny because priest wrote a very brief justice league arc um mm-hmm. at the end of the new 52 right is that correct mm-hmm. yeah or, or was that at the beginning I, was it in rebirth i think it was in rebirth i think it was actually if i'm not misremembering i think it was between brian hitch the Brian Hitch and the uh, yes, yes, Scott I think Snyder. I, I think you're correct. Yes. So, and I, I remember in that there were an inordinate number of times where Priest would say some would would mention some sort of military equipment, and there'd be an editor's box telling you like what the abbreviation stood for. <laughs> that happened all the time in that short run, and that happens here. And I was like, oh. It's like putting on an old pair of sweatpants is nice and comfortable. You know, this is just priest falling back into his Justice League routine here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again, I thought there's some interesting stuff in here. 
it just felt really cold to me. And I don't know if that's more on the art or on the script or on some combination. And I guess we'll find out more as the book progresses in that way. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about Packing Lions art at all? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you about kind of the, the dourness of the Justice League scenes. Uh, you're right that nobody's nobody's smiling at all. And it is a grave situation. But I think isn't isn't the great thing about comics that that the heroes kind of take to this stuff with a plum, you know, <laughs> like, right. Sure. At the end, when shit goes sideways, you know, that then right. how you how you get the audience to believe that that everything is more serious is now everybody is serious. Right. But they're they're scowling through this whole thing, you know, and, and yeah. it's just that's a thing. That's another contrast that I wish uh, comic book writers and artists embraced a little more, which is like when shit hits the fan, that's when you make them grim and and serious, you know, and. Before that, that you know, they're thinking it's just another day clocking in on the job, right? Right. Um, that, that that's another thing that this book has me wanting a little more of, but but that that's not in the cards, I guess. As far as the the rest of the book goes, I think there there are even times. This is going to sound crazy, but there's times in the beginning of the issue where it it almost looks like Mike Allred drawing some of this stuff between. Uh, Clark and Lois there's a scene where Clark is uh, he's taking a screwdriver inside this um, well, I don't know what yeah toaster there you go that almost looks like a Mike Allred panel same with the where he's got the CKU shirt in uh, mm -hmm. on and like Lois is standing behind him with curlers in like that's that's exceedingly close to that Allred cartooning to me that I really love. And so, so that's why I'm going to have to pull this up. Cause I, I definitely did not get that while reading. <laughs> I mean, I know, I, I know. Right. But I, I see what Vince is saying, but Vince is crazy for saying it. Well, like, he's crazy yeah. for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know I am. I, it, it's, I know it. I, I I see what you're seeing. I don't think I see it to the degree you're seeing. It's sure, just there's way. just a per, there's a perspective and there's like a a simplicity to it that I appreciate. That 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 once the action kicks in, the book loses. Um, and I don't even think other scenes where where characters are just talking look so much like Allred. But I almost did a double take at the beginning, just just at that at those couple pages um man priest and all red am i right oh that, oh, ooh. oh that'd be great that sure. would be great yeah um, uh, <laughs> i okay mm. right see, see what i see what i mean like you, you can see what he's saying but he's saying i can it see it in the faces i can yeah, see it in the yeah. faces yeah yeah i can yeah i do see it but yeah, I, I like Paggy Lion. I really, really like Paggy Lion on Deathstroke. I think he was a perfect match for that. I don't think... I mean, his 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 superhero stuff, and I think some of this also just comes down to the coloring. Who's the colorist on this? It's uh, Cox, I think, or is he the... Let me look. Hang on one second. Uh, do, do, do. Yes, Cox Jeremy Cox. Yeah, yeah, which I know he typically works with Paggy Lion. It's just so... I... I it, 
I think his coloring works better on Deathstroke because he works better with like muted colors. Mm-hmm. The the brightness of the like the Justice League, I think just I I don't like how it looks. Um and, and a lot of colorists do this kind of thing for the Justice League. And yeah, I just I just don't love it. So um so yeah, I'm I'm kind of mixed on the look of this book. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even really talked about the sort of central conceit here, which is that, you know, the Justice League is called to this problem. There's an alien spaceship. It is basically sucking a a wormhole through the world if someone doesn't stop it. Clark flies in to stop it, and Bruce goes to Lois's house to say, basically, we lost Clark in the singularity, and Clark is standing there. And yeah. he claims he's been gone for 20 years. And so there, there's a lot of interesting stuff to be to draw out there. You know, um, was he really gone 20 years? Is, it, is, he, is he perceiving that differently? He, he almost seems like a man, like Vince said, like out of time or almost possessed when we see him because he's just he is so shell shocked by the situation. And there's a lot of interesting story to tell there. I'm looking forward to that story. My question for you guys is, do you think, is this a 10-issue miniseries? Yeah. Yes, it is. There's, Yeah. I was about to say there's no way of knowing, but apparently. Uh, it's, it's on the cover. Yeah. Oh. Um, is this going to be, is most of this story going to take place in that, in the singularity thing? Do you think that's going to be the next eight issues? What I kind of worry is going to happen is that each issue is kind of going to be split and it's going to be like half taking place with in their Superman living room in, the, in their yeah. living room and yeah. like the other half that being the singularity stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. Uh, that's kind of priest's MO, right? Like even with the Deathstroke stuff, which was expertly done, there was lots of cross cutting and um uh, seeing multiple uh chronologies at once and yeah I, f- I feel like that's just a structure he he works in and that's that's just an educated guess you know yeah yeah um but but yes i i agree with zach yeah i don't i don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing in the world i think if if anyone can pull this off it is priest because of like you said vince he has done this sort of thing many times before. This is not a new format for him. Um, but I also kind of, you know, one of my pet peeves with these miniseries that DC does is that a lot of these miniseries start off with an issue that is interesting enough, but not interesting. It's interesting enough to keep my attention as I'm reading it. But I very rarely think about it afterwards, and then I blink and I've missed three issues, and then I have to go. I either go back and catch up. Spoiler alert: I never go back and catch up, or <laughs> I just forget it exists. Right. But what this one does is it, it because of the way it's structured, I truly am excited to read the next issue. But I don't know if I will be excited to read the fifth issue until I know sort of what the structure of the miniseries is going to be. Yeah. (laughs) Hope that doesn't make me sound like bratty about his work. I just feel like 
with these with these miniseries that are you know either out of continuity or not affecting like month to month stories and other books it can be very easy to just sort of forget they exist for a while yeah and hey i mean the, the three of us are the world's biggest pre-deathstroke fans so it's not like you know <laughs> we are we are always expecting to to love a priest book right um, yeah yeah i i don't know we you know we already have kind of fallen off of a priest book that's coming out right now so the black adam one yeah yeah i i i like that one it's just that the the pantheon of the gods stuff kind of loses me um i i i am gonna go back and and catch up yes with that. yeah i did a couple months ago i read like the first four or five to sort of catch myself up i'll probably do that again in a few weeks or a few months rather you know before the last issue comes out i'll get myself caught up so we can talk about the last one maybe or at least so i can just you know have so i can read the last one without having to do too much legwork that day yeah um but part of that also, I think, is just that right now, right now we're not that enthused about a lot of what DC is doing, and so I feel that. And also, I, I know all three of us have been very, very busy as of late. So I feel like I am, and I don't, I don't want to speak for either of you. I am not taking an extra time to read a bunch of stuff we're not going to talk about on the show right now. Right. I, I am reading what we have to talk about, and then I am doing other shit I have to get done. So I feel like if we were doing if if I was more excited to be reading everything like week to week, I would find the time for that book. Whereas unless we're going to talk about it, I just don't have the time right now, which is a bad way to consume comics. I don't like it, but it's, well, it's the truth right we, now. We, we don't read comics because we like it. So I sometimes I do <laughs> not for not for the podcast. Only only the Grant Morrison uh, thing is is. That's yeah, the only this, time. This is this is our medicine. That is our uh that's our treat. <laughs> this is my rifle, this is my gun. I understand. <laughs> yes. Um anything else to say about this issue? Um, I did have one other line uh that it was a, such a killer line, one probably one of the best Superman lines I've I've seen in years, honestly, towards the end where you know, Clark, of course, is trying to absolve Bruce of any fault or wrongdoing in, in the snafu that went down. And, you know, Lois, because Lois kind of doesn't want to hear it. And uh, he says something to the effect of Bruce didn't send me. Jorel sent me. Martha, Martha Kent, Kent sent, sent me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just such a like, oh, that's so perfect. Like. uh, It seems obvious, right? But like how many writers put it that way where like, you know, it, it's a different way of, it's a more um, dramatic and interesting way of saying like, this is what I was put on earth to do. Right. Right. It's just such a powerful way of expressing that idea. Uh, I, I really loved it. I had to take a note of that one. So. That's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. On a similar note, I loved twice. Clark says to Lois, you're not mad at him. You're mad at me. Mm-hmm. And just like yeah. trying to get 
her because she's she's mad at Bruce because she thinks that Bruce put him in the situation, but he keeps reminding her that that isn't the case. And uh, that just feels like a very astute bit of Superman writing as well. Just not wanting to not wanting to to make Bruce out to be anything to, to having done anything wrong here. He wants to just, like you said, reinforce his decisions and sort of how his how his general makeup led to this not not one person hello denizens of earth 1218 we are the hosts of make mine multiversity a twice monthly podcast i'm jayna and i'm elias make mine multiversity is your handy guide to all things marvel each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of marvel creators characters themes whatever Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. The only other thing I want to say is I, uh, and I am not a, uh, you know, a, a known fan of this person, but I really like the Joe Quesada variant. It yes. it feels very All Star Superman esque to me. Let me see which one was the Casada variant. It's yes, the one that... with like them in space and Clark in the white suit. Oh, I do like that. Yes, that's nice. I at first pass, I did think it was quietly. It like, is, well, yeah. It's low lowest, especially I think looks kind of quietly esque. Yeah, yeah. Really nice cover. All I have to say, I feel like DC's covers lately have been very good. Yeah, they're doing a lot of variants. Like, have you noticed that every comic that yep. comes out in our box has like 10 and, variants? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, and so a lot of them are just like the the uh 3D model airbrush kind of crepola that I don't I don't really care for too much. Um, but then that also means that there's like a, a greater volume of really good covers too. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, the Lee Weeks one is also pretty good. Yes, it is. One. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's very yeah. simple, but it's tr- like extremely striking. Yeah. Um, is it just a matter of time before Casada gets a book announced? That'd be that'd be wild, <laughs> but I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He's the new Bendis. Casada <laughs> <laughs> uh, is coming. Casada is coming. Yeah. Oh uh, man, I I think it happens, and I think it's gonna. I I honestly think it's going to be in a Jim Lee written book, oh. which means it's going to be absolute dog shit. But <laughs> uh, th- those two guys can't help but jerk each other off. I feel like in this situation, so <laughs> it's that's what it's going to be. We're gonna we're gonna get our supply cut off here, Brian. <laughs> no one listens. Come on, I know. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I just I, I think that's what's gonna that's gonna be. Or it would be really funny if it was a Bendis book. <laughs> I think I, Bendis has pretty much wiped all mention of DC from his oh, yeah. life, life yeah. as far as I can tell. Yeah, he he's he's all in on his uh, Dark Horse, um, like imprint was Jinx World, the Jinx World imprint now at Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you know, good for him. Yeah, sure. Why not? Until somebody bites him over there. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for from what I've been told, there is much less biting happening in the uh, Dark Horse offices. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? A- anything could change. Uh, the the Bendis. I was actually thinking about Bendis's DC run 
I guess it was Saturday because I was I was uh, reorganizing some comics Saturday morning. And is there any <laughs> is there any run that we can think of that was more hyped and like already totally forgotten? Because that's one of the biggest uh, gets of all time. Like in terms of getting an artist or a creator for your line that you uh, that you know that you're advertising to the hilt, and then just no, I mean, look, they made a fucking Naomi show out of yeah. that stuff, and no, and still no one cares. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like the only really lasting legacy of Bendis is the aging, aging of, of John, John Kent. Kent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's literally there were i mean like there were good comics that came out of him being at tc like i'm not gonna act like there weren't um you know those i think the first year of his superman and action were really good and the wonder comics stuff was also like mostly pretty good but yeah uh but but yeah completely forgotten from like a publishing standpoint you know um, forgotten or like made obsolete. Yeah, made obsolete. Definitely. I I feel like maybe this was even announced. Yeah, maybe it it may have even been announced. Uh, I feel like the Dial H, uh, for Hero Book would, and I know that that was just something that that wasn't written by Bendis, but it was spun out from the Wonder Comics stuff. Mm-hmm. wasn't there going to be like a TV show or something? No, I, I feel don't like, know. I feel like that was the thing, but I feel like that would be like the perfect thing for one of those like CW shows or whatever. Yeah. Dial H is a perfect CW show. Yeah. And yeah. And, and it just, it'll never happen because that whole, all the Bendis stuff is essentially being swept under the rug now. And that whole era kind of aligns with an era of DC media that doesn't exist anymore. So, um, so before yeah. we go, one last Bendis related question for you guys, where does he do a book next? Is he going to be back at Marvel first or back at DC first? Marvel. I really don't see him going back to Marvel for a long time. I don't Neither know. Maybe do that's, maybe that's me being like, too naive but if i mm, if if he did if he did it would well if he did it would be to like do like a mini series like a jessica jones mini series or something you know what i mean see i still think we're gonna get another bendis at dc book sooner than later oh that's wild because here's why i don't think i think what essentially happened is that dio signed him and then dio left and so I think just the the balance of power, the hierarchy of power, not only changed <laughs> yeah. in the DC uh, cinematic universe, but also at, at DC Comics in general. And so I don't think anyone has anything against Bendis. I just think that the person who was pushing for him doesn't really have anything for him to do right now. Or yeah. be, because he's gone, there's nothing for him to do right now. But I think that Bendis, I mean, I still think he wants to do a Batman book, probably. I still think he mm. wants to do more Legion stuff, probably. I, I think that, too. The thing I think with Bendis <laughs> is I think more than, more than maybe anyone, Bendis was, like, so on for 5G. Like, 
So yes. much of this stuff was gearing up for 5G and feeding into 5G. And then when 5G fell through, it's like all of his stuff again became like obsolete, you know, and, and kind of had to essentially start again from scratch, I think. Yeah, and I think that, that that again goes into the bendis of it. I mean the the, the deal of it all, right? Where the deal was the one pushing hard for 5G. If the Dio, I mean, I, I could I could absolutely see the Dio saying, like, look, you're gonna come over. You're gonna it's Bernie Sanders again, fuck. Um, <laughs> but like you're gonna age up John Kent, and that's the that's the spark that lights the fire of 5G. Mm-hmm. And then everything was building to this thing. And Bendis had these plans, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's over, no more. Very interesting stuff. Well, Vince, what comes out next week, March 21st? Uh, We've got Batman, One Bad Day. Uh, Oh, God, we were told how to pronounce uh, Ra's al Ghul. What? what, Ross. 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 Ross Ross from France. Ross Geller. Ross Al Geller. We were on a break. That's what that's what Bruce said to Talia exactly when she, when she showed up with Damien. Yes, <laughs> it can't be mine. We were on a break. Um, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, thirteen, Black Adam, number nine, Catwoman, fifty three, Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, number seven, DC's Legion of Bloom, number one. That's an anthology book, right? Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, GCPD, The Blue Wall, number six. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series Legion of Bats, number six, the milestone 30th anniversary special Nightwing 102, Superman, number two, Swamp Thing, Green Hell, number three, the Flash 795 and Wonder Woman 797. Well, until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app and I am at Wilker Fox. You can find Vince. He has his stopwatch out. Oh, he has time- wait. Oh, no, sorry. I'm not. I'm at the Wilk of Z. Oh. <laughs> this is what happens when you change your Twitter handle. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Vince is, has a stopwatch out. He is uh, he's timing some stuff, but he's not at the NFL Combine. He's, I'm, uh, I'm timing other things. Yeah, other things. Exactly. Um, so I, go ahead. Zach, I have a recommendation for you the next time you want to change your Twitter handle. What All you got to do... You got to put a number at the end of your handle and just go up one every time. <laughs> That's a great idea. I don't think yeah. anybody's ever done that before, but no. it, it should be done. Well, that's if, a free. That's a free one. You can have. If that. someone were to do that, they could. They, the joke would be really good if they stopped at sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're still laughing at that one. Yep, it's still a funny number. It, it, it will always be a funny number, forever and ever. Amen. All right, good night, guys. Bye. Which is a shame because uh, my Elmo impression is not as good as my Grover impression, and Grover was much more a part of the show when I was younger. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I got to clear my throat for this. <clears throat> Super Grover. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs>